David back again with another episode of Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 62. I've gone ahead and done another themed episode. Uh, I did the one-man bands on uh, episode 60, I believe it was. And this time around, I'm doing um, winter. So, of course, naturally, I timed this out poorly because I'm doing the winter episode uh, right and just in time for spring, you know, but whatever. So basically every song uh, on this episode is going to have to do with winter, whether it's uh, with the title, the, you know, the lyrics, the band name, what have you. It's all going to involve uh, a winter theme. So let's go ahead and jump right in. This is a band that I think I played on the second episode of the podcast, and then I haven't played them since, so it's been quite some time. Um, a bit of a super group of sorts from Holland. This is Hail of Bullets. Hail of Bullets consists of members of uh, Asphyx and Thanatos and uh, Howitzer. And uh, they all just kind of came together back in 2006 and, and just kind of said, let's start a, a cool old school death metal band and just make it all about uh, war. Not necessarily all World War II, but uh, just kind of most of it centers around that that time period. But um great band and uh, of course Martin Van Drunen's vocals are um, very easily identifiable he's a very unique vocalist but he actually got fired from the band uh, in 2016 and uh, was replaced by Dave Ingram and um, I remember whenever Martin Van Drunen got fired uh, myself and probably about 20 other people immediately messaged um, Dave Ingram because uh, I I say we're friends on Facebook. It's uh, I've never met the man in person, but we just kind of have conversed through Facebook over the years. But um, a bunch of people, including myself, said, "Hey, you know, this is this would be a great band for you," since he was in Bolt Thrower, and of course they were a very war-themed uh, band as well, and it just seemed like it would be a good fit. And he agreed apparently, so he reached out to them, and then they brought him in to kind of audition, so to speak, and. And he uh, got the position, and then they were doing lots and lots of uh, rehearsals. I think he did one or two sh- like shows at, at different festivals and things. I think he did Maryland Death Fest and, and performed with them. And then they were working on new material, but then they just decided as a band um, to just stop. You know, the, the chemistry had been disrupted, I guess. They loved working with Dave Ingram, but, um, but yeah, they just kind of felt like the, the energy had left the, the band and... And the drive to continue had left the band, so they just decided to call it quits in 2017, which is a shame. I would have loved to have seen uh, what they would do with Dave Ingram on vocals, but um, 
But regardless, uh, we're going to go play something now off of their first album, which was called Of Frost and War, and that came out in 2008 on Metal Blade Records. And um, I think the last time I played them on the podcast, it was off of this record as well, because to me, this this is still their best. Uh, they released three albums, and uh, this one is still the one that I go back to most frequently, I would say. So, so here we go from Holland. This is Hail of Bullets with General Winter.
Alright, that was Hail of Bullets from Holland with General Winter. We're going to jump to Norway here. This is a very uh, classic, I don't even want to call them a black metal band because as far as I'm concerned they never quite had the sound uh, that a lot of the others did. They were kind of in a league of their own, but uh, the band is Immortal. And um, I fell in love with Immortal probably around 2003. Um, Sons of Northern Darkness had come out in 2002 and I kept seeing adverts in different metal magazines and stuff uh, for the album and I thought that they looked ridiculous and that alone deterred me from checking it out and whenever I finally did I was blown away by that record and was a fan ever since and uh, I remember uh, kind of striking up a deal with my uh, great uncle in England that there were certain records that he couldn't find in the UK that he wanted from like different American like psychedelic bands and stuff so if he would say, you know, send money basically for me to send him a record and then I would do the same and he would send me an album that I couldn't really find in the, in the States, um, at the time at least, you know, everything's pretty much uh, available everywhere these days. But, um, but yeah, so I acquired my next Immortal record from him, which was Battles in the North, which I still hold dear since that was one of my first albums of theirs. But, um... I'm going to play something off of Pure Holocaust, and Pure Holocaust was their second record, and that came out in 1993 on Osmos Productions, and this was like night and day from the debut as far as the quality goes and the vocal technique and everything. Um, the debut, while it still has its charm, uh, is definitely more of a, of a sloppy mess in terms of the production. Uh, the drumming, you know, wasn't the greatest. Um, the vocal style was really nasty on the first album um and he kind of refined it to to what we are used to hearing out of immortal which is that kind of croaky that reptilian croak that he has but um but yeah the quality of the songs was definitely uh, improved on the second album and the production was great this was the first album that uh, abbott actually did the drums on he did drums on this one and on battles in the north and uh, he's a much better drummer than, you know, most people would think. Um, they have a drummer, Eric, pictured on the front cover, and he's listed in the booklet as the drummer on the album, but he didn't actually drum on the album. It was Abbas, and uh, Eric was just there for the... Uh, he joined right after they recorded it, or right as they were recording it, so um, he was just the drummer for the ensuing tours for this album, but... Um, but anyways, a lot of great tracks on this one, but again, this is a winter theme, so I had to pick this one. So here we go from Norway. This is Immortal with Frozen by Ice Winds.
All right, and it just cuts out right there. That was Immortal with Frozen by Ice Winds. A uh, really great record, and it really had... Uh, I just I can't get over that production. It was such a crisp, clean production. Um, I really loved the drum sound on that record. But um, All right, we're going to keep it in Norway here. This is a band that is one of my favorites with their earlier material. They This is a band that really kind of um, peaked early and then kind of wallowed around in mediocrity for a while there and then they've kind of made a bit of a comeback but they just don't stay active enough to really make an impactful uh to make it an impactful comeback you know but uh, the band is Gehenna and Gehenna the reason I ever checked them out in the first place years ago was because uh Dirge Rep, the uh, drummer who drummed for Enslaved for a number of years, that was his band that he was in before Enslaved. So I liked his drumming with Enslaved, so I naturally wanted to check out his uh, his other work. And um, I really liked Gehenna's early records, and it seems that I wasn't alone with that. Um, he was there for their first... Some people consider it an album, some people consider it an EP... Uh, but it's it is essentially an EP that they refer to as their first spell, and um, and then their first actual full length they refer to as the second spell. So I'm playing something off of the full length. So this is technically their debut full length, um, but it's called "Seen Through the Veils of Darkness" and then the second spell in parentheses. So this came out in October of '95 on Cacophonous Records, and. Um, this band was really a straight-up like black metal band in the early 90s, especially on that first EP. They had a lot of keyboards. Uh, it was more atmospheric, and uh, they kind of increased the intensity and aggression in the music with each subsequent album. And then I'd say after their first three releases, that's when they started to dive more into like death metal territory. So their late 90s, early 2000s material really had that kind of sound, and it was just, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And uh, and then they, they've kind of turned things around uh, whenever they had a big uh, comeback album a few years ago called Unravel that is actually very good. I like that album quite a bit. But, um, but back to the point here, I'm going to play something off of the debut, which is Seen Through the Veils of Darkness. And this actually has Dirge Rip drumming on it, and... Um, Keeping with the winter theme, this is the third cut off of the album, so here we go from Norway. This is Gehenna with Winterriket, which means Winter Kingdom. <laughs>
Alright, that was Gehenna with Vinterikit, and uh, I love that song, and I really, I just like the mix of that album, because it's it's a really borderline, just chaotic uh, mix, like the way that the, the guitars are very upfront, and they tend to be very active, and having the keys uh, going underneath all that, and uh, I really liked the, the vocal delivery, I mean, he still sounds exactly the same. Uh, all these years later, but um, yeah, just the the mix of that album really adds to the impact, you know. Um, okay, we're going to go to the USA here out of California. This is quite possibly one of the most classic death metal bands that America has ever produced. The band is Autopsy, and Autopsy is just uh, idolized <laughs> generation after generation. But it's true, though, like all these death metal bands over the years just worship autopsy and um with good reason they've really their sound has been pretty diverse which is funny to say i'm sure somebody is is snickering at that statement but it's true if you listen to the debut from to the second album to the third and fourth they all sound a bit different from each other um so of course they existed from 87 till 95 and then disbanded and then it wasn't until 2008 that they decided to reform uh they reformed to i think play or record rather one or two new songs to uh to just tack on to the end of like a compilation release that they were doing and they had so much fun getting back together and hanging out and writing those new songs and recording them that they said well let's just keep this going because they were at a point in life where you know they had wives and kids and stuff but their kids were older at this point and um they kind of have a little more freedom to do what they want to do and play festivals and tour and stuff like that if they want to. They don't really tour, they just tend to do festivals, but um, but yeah, so I mean, I've, I've noticed that with a lot of bands is that when they have young kids, they are much less likely to tour and things like that, but later on, these bands will reform or a, a long-lost member that left a long time ago will come back because now their kids are grown and in college or something, so they have more time and freedom to do what they want to do. But yeah, so Autopsy's been back since 08, and they've stayed active, releasing records, and their stuff, their output since 08 has been very good, I think. But um, but for me, and for a lot of people, the, uh, the, the peak with them was their second album called Mental Funeral, and that came out in April of 91 on Peaceville Records. And that one had a thicker... Uh, super chunky production compared to the uh, the debut. A lot more bass-driven. It actually had Eric Cutler, the guitar player, his brother, uh, played bass on this album, which I actually kind of forgot about that fact uh, until I was making my notes for this episode. But there's a ton of uh, songs on this album that have been covered by other bands because it's uh, there's there's very little weak tracks on this album. Um, but it's, uh, it's just nasty and dark and chunky and thick production and everything. And it's just, uh, for the time, it's just a perfect death metal album. It's just nasty. So here we go off of Mental Funeral. This is Autopsy with In the Grip of Winter.
That was Autopsy with In the Grip of Winter. That one's pretty much a, a staple of their live set as well. Uh, great tune, great tune. Uh, okay, I'm going to uh, officially toot my own horn for the next uh, minute or two here. I'm going to play something by my own band. <laughs> so I've done that before uh, in the past, um, You know, only if it fits with the rest of the episode. And uh, yeah, this felt like a perfect time to bust out this uh, song that... Um, it's probably one of my favorite things I've ever written. Um, so the band is Krigsgrove, and Krigsgrove was my baby that I had started with my friend Chris back in 2004. And we really, we both were kind of into black metal, but we didn't know the first thing about <laughs> creating it. Uh, that was Chris's first foray into vocals of any kind, and he felt like he could probably do it. And uh, I had never heard him do extreme vocals. We just kind of said, hey... How would you like to sing and I'll play all the instruments? Because I could play guitar and I could play bass and stuff. I didn't really do it in any bands. Um, it was just something I did for fun. And, uh, you know, we were both um, just looking for an outlet, I guess. So in the early days, uh, we did a demo and an EP and uh, a full length all just recorded at home. Uh, at my parents' house, pretty much, uh, all all the instruments were recorded there, and and uh, but I could never sing like that, so Chris always did the vocals, and uh, we kind of would share some lyrical duties, and um, and it was we never really found our sound, like it was changing a lot uh, from the demo to the EP to the first full length. In the first full length, I, I still I don't regret anything about it. It was still a, a moment in time that you know. I'll remember forever, but uh, the debut album called the, the Leviathan Crown was basically written because I wanted to sound like blackened death metal with some thrashy elements in there because I was just diving headfirst into the <laughs> discography of, uh, of Necrophobic and I just kind of felt like I haven't heard another band that sounds quite like them why don't I try and emulate their sound, you know, and see if I can kind of do something in that same vein. And I feel like I kind of had uh, too strict of, of boundaries on myself when I wrote for that album. And um, I wanted to not do that at all with the one that followed after. So the one that came after, I just really embraced a lot of these more melodic elements and longer songs and you know to, the song wasn't done until it just felt done to me and if it was 10 minutes long then so be it and that's just kind of how it worked worked out and um really took my time with this album and recorded it at um at my friend brett's house <clears throat> i did the drums at home at my parents house but all the guitars and stuff because he had a lot nicer and more guitars than i had and stuff so i was trying out different guitars and trying to really get a good tone and using different guitars for both of the guitar layers and to find a good blend of tones and stuff and, and using his very nice acoustic guitar for certain parts and um, it just it paid off I think like I would I would still love to remix and remaster this record these days but um, I, I still think it, it holds up you know but uh, the songs this this album changed everything for me pretty much because <clears throat> my friends who heard it, my musician friends, ended up approaching me saying, you have to turn this into like a full band and play some of this stuff live because this material is too good. And then here we are today, Krigsgrove is still around and it's still a full band and we're still writing and releasing uh, albums now. And, and uh, 
I owe a lot to uh, to this record, you know, for for opening that door, I guess. But um, but anyways, uh, the record is called Lux Capta Est, which is uh, Latin for the light is captured or the light is taken. Um, I released this in July of 2011 on Dead Space Records, which was just kind of a uh, small kind of startup label from uh, from my friend Corey. He just kind of released some stuff of his own and stuff from other friends of his and and just did it all himself as far as promoting like it would it would they were pretty much just digital release uh, type things and he would just promote it all himself uh, online at different sites and things like that so really a DIY operation but I did print some copies of uh, of it and uh, just hand them out pretty much at shows to people and and stuff like that and um, and people liked it so uh, we played this song quite a bit um, live when the, we started playing live this song was involved in the set list almost every time but here we go, keeping with the winter theme. This is Craig's Grove with In the Winter White. Thank you. 
All right. That was Kriegsgrave with In the Winter White. Um, be on the lookout because we have finished writing our next album, which we hope to have out uh, by the end of 2020. Um, we just kind of recorded a three-song demo of some of the new material that we're going to be shopping around to some labels to see if anyone has any interest in releasing it. We self-released the last one, um, and we're hoping to not have to do that again <laughs> this time around, so wish us luck. Um, okay, we're going to go to Sweden here, and this band has been around since 93. It's Dark Funeral. Uh, Dark Funeral was founded by Lord Ahriman and... Uh, Old Black Moon, which is uh, David Parland. David Parland was uh, the original guitar player for Necrophobic, and then after their first album, he left because he wanted to kind of focus more on a on a more straightforward uh, black metal sound instead of that kind of blackened death metal kind of vibe that Necrophobic had going on. and And so he left and started Dark Funeral, and um, they recorded an EP, a self titled EP, in 1994 with Dan Swano. And uh, from what I understand, they did not get along well with Dan Swano because he felt they were really unprofessional. I mean, they were just kids, but he said they were just like just unprepared and drunk and and sloppy and stuff in the studio. And he just had no interest in working with them again uh, after that. So they decided to move on to uh, Abyss Studios for uh, recording their first full album and uh, so they did so and released uh, this album called The Secrets of the Black Arts in January of 96 on No Fashion Records and it was pretty well received. Um, They were kind of late to the game I guess. A lot of the groundwork had already been set uh, with a lot of the big you know Norwegian black metal bands that came in the uh, years before them in the early 90s but um, but yes uh, that played to their advantage because there, it was such a hot commodity, I guess, uh, after all the uh, commotion going on, let's say, in, in uh, Norway when it came to black metal. So um, any up-and-coming, you know, good black metal bands coming from Norway or Sweden, uh, people were just were eating it up, you know, at the time. And you fast forward to today, and Dark Funeral is probably one of the more successful and well-known black metal bands, uh, you know, anywhere. So... Um, so kudos to them, but, uh, this was a strong debut, and, um, unfortunately it was the only album, uh, that David Parland was on, and then after this he, uh, he was gone, he moved on, but, um, but yeah, great record, the drumming is good, there is another version of this album, I can't remember if this was recorded elsewhere or not, but it had a different drummer before they had changed drummers, and because uh, there was like a special edition release of, of this debut, and it had the the entire like it was pretty much the entire album twice. It was just the the one that everyone knows that came out in '96, and then there was one that they had recorded at a different studio before this, and with a different drummer and stuff. And I actually kind of like the <laughs> the other drummer better. And it's like, well, that's kind of sucks that they made the drummer change. Not that this guy is bad or anything, but. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a, a tighter performance on that other version. But anywho, here we go. <laughs> From 1996, this is Dark Funeral with Blood Frozen. <laughs>
All right, that was Dark Funeral with Blood Frozen. Great album. Uh, I always liked that original vocalist as well. Uh, okay, we're going to stay on that same label, actually, funny enough. Uh, this band really doesn't really need an introduction or much background. Uh, the band is Dissection, and if any of you know me, you know that it's one of my all-time favorite bands, and it's just this band that I hold in such high regard as far as... they. F- I can't even say they were ahead of their time, because they still feel ahead of their time. <laughs> like, there's been bands that try to emulate their sound, and it's just like they were musically perfect like they just they never had a misstep um they released three full lengths and they were perfect as far as i'm concerned so um but yeah i'm gonna play something off of the first record which was called the somber lane and that came out in december of 93 on no fashion records and um yeah this is such a strong debut uh the material is so good and the songs are so melodic and just well crafted um But I'm going to play a song that's short and sweet, but it was uh, always a mainstay in their live set, uh, even in their latter years. And um, great song. I actually practice this song fairly often whenever I'm just by myself uh, drumming. Um, But it's a classic, so here we go. From Sweden, this is Dissection with Frozen. Thank you. 
Okay, that was Dissection from Sweden with Frozen. Uh, okay, we're going to go to the USA here, out of Oregon. This is kind of a cream of the crop when it comes to American um, kind of melodic black metal, I guess you'd call it. That kind of uh, folky, very nature-inspired uh, black metal, similar to like Wolves in the Throne Room and things like that. But this band kind of stood alone. Um, having its own sound. A lot of imitators, but there's only one original, and that band is Agaloc. Agaloc called it quits in 2016, um, but they had released five full lengths and a slew of EPs and things as well. Uh, I'm going to play something off of their third full length, which is coincidentally the first Agaloc album that I uh, ever owned. I got it by accident. Um, I thought, I can't, I wish I could remember what band I thought I was looking for, like, I was looking at Warehouse Music in North Richland Hills, and, uh, <laughs> I used to just live at that place with my friends, uh, buying CDs and stuff, and trading CDs, and, um, yeah, I was looking for something, it was a Russian band, I remember that much, like a Russian black metal band that I was looking for an album for, and I thought, they, I guess they had a similar name, and I got this Agaloc CD thinking, okay, I think this is one of theirs. And then whenever I popped it in the CD player and listened to it, I immediately knew that I had <laughs> was mistaken. This was not the same band. But I still gave it a shot. Like, initially I was like, oh, well, I got the wrong thing. I, I better take this back uh, tomorrow and tra you know, tra exchange it for something else. But then uh, when I listened to it on the way home, I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> so I looked into who is this band that I just bought the CD of. And, uh, and yeah, I ended up really liking it, so, uh, but yeah, the album is Ashes Against the Grain, it's their third full length out of five, came out in August of 06 on The End Records, and, uh, this was actually the last album that had their original drummer, um, the drummer that they got after that, uh, is a superior drummer in, in every way, but, uh, there's still some charm to these old albums and, and the drumming on it nonetheless, but, um, I'm going to play a song that is, uh, it's a little long, but it's pretty much uh, an ode to Catatonia as far as I'm concerned, older Catatonia. Um, but, uh, I mean that in a good way, of course. It sounds, it has that Agaloc touch to it, but there's definitely a nod to, uh, to older Catatonia. But a great song, great album. Uh, it's a band that I kind of miss, but at the same time, I feel like they kind of said their piece with their five albums and I don't even know where they would necessarily take their sound from there you know so maybe it was a good time to stop who knows but but yeah anyways out of Oregon I think they were originally out of Salem Oregon and then they're all kind of strewn about now in Portland and you know other parts of Oregon but uh, but yeah out of Oregon this is Agaloc with Falling Snow
Alright. That was Agaloc with Falling Snow. We're going to jump to Sweden here. This is a, a band that uh, is essentially the... I don't even want to call it a solo project because it is kind of a two-man band, but it's the namesake band of one of my favorite vocalists. It's Vintersorg, and Vintersorg, uh, of course, was the singer of uh, Otig and singer of Borknagar for a number of years, and only uh, in the last few years uh, stepped down from that role. And he also does Cronian with uh, with uh, you know Oystein, the guitar player from Borknagar, and. Um, so they claim that they're still going to continue that project, but uh, but he's been steadily releasing uh, albums under the Vintersorg banner for a number of years, since the uh, mid to late 90s there. I want to say it was 97 or so when he released his debut, 98 maybe. Um, but yeah, a really identifiable voice. Um, I love his voice, and I feel like my voice is pretty similar to his, so I always enjoy singing along to his stuff as well. Um, but he kind of went, he started off, you know, everything being sung in Swedish and, uh, everything being kind of nature inspired. And then he kind of, uh, took a turn towards this more cosmic, uh, vibe and, and just questioning existence. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's hard to, uh, explain, I suppose, but he took it in this, this more kind of proggy, weird vibe for a couple of records there <clears throat> and then he ended up bringing it back around to uh, to more nature inspired things again so it kind of feels like the old old ways of Vintersorg has come back you know but he did a trilogy of albums that were all kind of tied together he did uh, Jordpuls which came out in 2010 I want to say and then Orkon which was uh, 2012 and then uh, and then Notterball which came out in 2014 I think and um, they all had kind of similar cover art, just with different colors, you know, the same style of art, but it was, uh, they were all intentionally, like, very different colors, because they were supposed to be different moods for each of those albums to kind of be like a trilogy. So I'm going to play something off of, uh, off of Orkon, which is coincidentally my least favorite of the three in the trilogy, but it has uh, a couple of really good songs on here that I really like. Um, so this came out again in June of 2012 on Napalm Records, and it's pretty much just Vintersorg and his friend Matthias. Uh, Matthias was a bandmate of his when from uh, their Otig days. And uh, he's just kind of uh, played guitar on all of these Vintersorg uh, albums, whereas uh, Vintersorg himself does uh, guitar and bass and vocals, and they've always used a drum machine, always. They, they used to have a friend of theirs program the drums for them on the first uh, couple of records. And then, ever since then, uh, Vintersorg has kind of taken over. And I actually, I asked him as well, because the uh, the drum sound has been great on the last uh, handful of Vintersorg albums, and I asked him where he gets his samples from, and he said it was just a collection of samples that he's acquired over the years, like it wasn't, a, you know, a, a package, so to speak, from a specific, you know, software or whatever. It's It's just a library that he has amassed over the years, so, which was just a nice way of saying you can't have my samples <laughs> pretty much but uh but anywho really enjoy this song and it uh, fits with the theme so here we go off of the album orkan this is Vintersorg with polar Nauten, which means exactly what you think it means it means polar night Thank you. 
There we go. I always love when I hear the flute in his uh, in his music because they used to use that quite heavily in the Otig stuff, um, but it was never very uh, frequently heard in the Vintersorg stuff. So whenever I do hear it to make an appearance like it did towards the end of that song there as well, um, it always makes me smile because I love the Otig stuff. So, um, and also I have to say like everybody kind of rejoiced. When, whenever he had stepped down as vocalist of Borknagar and they announced that Simon or Vortex or whatever was going to be uh, reassuming the lead vocal position, uh, it was just nothing but excitement from people because everyone loves his vocals. But I, was, I felt like I was the only one sad like that Vintersorg was gone because he's, he's um, like my favorite part of their vocal attack that they had. But... Um, and the new Borknagar is good, but uh, to me, it's it's just not the same. It's just not the same. Um, okay, we're going to go, well, we're going to stay in Sweden here. Uh, this is a band I've played once before and a band that I've really fallen in love with over the last year or so. Um, it's a mysterious group. It's a two-man band, but there's not really not, you know, there's not much known about them. And um, the band is Murg, that's M-U-R-G, and... Um, their first album was okay, but the second album and their newest album to me are just really unique and just really strong black metal records. Um, I played something off of their second album last time, and I'm going to do that again this time because uh, I actually I have played them twice because I played something off the new album as well. But um, but yeah, the new album is really good, but uh, this one is still my favorite I think of the three. So the the album is called Gudetal. And Gudetal came out in December of 2016 on Nordvis Productions, which is a Swedish label. Um, they sing all in Swedish, and it's not your typical kind of orthodox, straight-up black metal. Uh, there's there's always a, there's a bit of a uniqueness to their their riffs. Um, I really I just love it. I think this is a great record, um, and I love this song title as well. So I'm kind of excited that I get to play this one. <laughs> on this themed episode so here we go uh, off of the album Gudatal this is Merg with Djupnair der Frosten Intebiter which means uh, deep down where the frost does not bite <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, that was Merg from Sweden uh, with Deep Down Where the Frost Does Not Bite. I love that song title, and I love that song. The way it builds up is really, really nice. Um, the overall style that they have reminds me very much of, uh, of Possession from Belgium, um, like the, the type of, uh, of riffing that you can hear on like their ex- ex- uh, Exorcizine album. It's, it's pretty reminiscent, I think at least. Uh, okay, we're going to jump to Finland here. This is a band that is one of my all-time favorites. It is Amorphous. Excuse me, I uh, feel like I'm about to sneeze, and then it just will not happen. Um, but I'm going to catch some uh, some shit for this, because I love their current vocalist, Tommy Yautzen. And um, they've had three you know, vocalists over the, over the course of their existence. The guitar player, uh, Tommy Koivisari, um, he did vocals from 1990 up until 97, and uh, then he just decided that he couldn't really growl like that anymore, and he just wanted to stop doing it and focus just on guitar. So then they got another vocalist, and then they got Tommy Yautzen in 2004, and he's been there ever since, and I love his voice, both his clean singing and his, his growls. Very powerful, uh, guttural growls, you know. But um, But yeah, so they're, you know... I say their classic album would be, uh, excuse me, I swear I'm about to sneeze and it's driving me insane here. Get it together, man. All right, so their classic album would be 1994's Tales from the Thousand Lakes. Great album. Um, The production's not spectacular, but it doesn't matter. The songs are really good. Uh, The performances are really good. But... um, but yeah, so because I've always been the type that is not necessarily opposed to bands re-recording stuff, so, um, because, I mean, the it doesn't erase the original. If you want to hear the original, then just listen to the original. It doesn't matter. But, um, but yeah, if, if, they, if a band can re-record some classic stuff and it might gain some new fans or, or make some people appreciate the old songs a little bit more, then, uh, then that's, that's great as far as I'm concerned. So, point being, I'm going to play a song from Tales from the Thousand Lakes, um, but it's the re-recording. So they did this re-recording album in 2010 uh, called Magic and Mayhem, and it's called Tales from the Early Years. So basically it's just re-recordings of stuff from the first couple of albums, and uh, with Tommy Yautzen doing the vocals, of course, and uh, modern production and all that. So, But this album was released in September of 2010 on Nuclear Blast. And uh, one of their really classic songs that uh, they play like in their encores and things like that when they play live is uh, Black Winter Day. And a really good song, and it just sounds even better with this fat production and, uh, and with Tommy's vocals. Um, I think it sounds great. So even though somebody, uh, if there's other Amorphous fans listening to this, they're probably uh, probably yelling at me, you know, right now that I'm not playing the original version. But um, I don't care. I think this version is just as good, if not better. So here we go. The re-recorded version. <laughs> this is Amorphous with Black Winter Day.
All right, that was Amorphous with Black Winter Day. Excellent song. Um, okay, we're going to jump back to Norway here. This is a, a major classic in the Norwegian black metal scene. This is Dark Throne, who I love and adore. Um, I'm going to play something off of A Blaze in the Northern Sky, which to me is, is one of the first, like, real true Norwegian black metal like full-length releases because of course Mayhem had done Death Crush but that wasn't even really like a black metal release as far as I'm concerned it was just kind of a shitty poorly played thrash album <laughs> but um it was just kind of more extreme thrash than people were used to so I it, it laid the groundwork so I, I can appreciate that release for that reason but it's not a black metal album in in my opinion so um, obviously, De Mysterious Dom Satanus did not come out until 93. And uh, so, yeah, this one, Blaze in the Northern Sky, came out in February of 92. Of course, it was their second record. Their first album, Soulside Journey, was a, was a death metal album, and they shifted gears after that. So this came out on Peaceville Records, which is where they remained for a few albums, but um, and eventually returned later on in their career. But... Um, but yes, great stuff. There's still the occasional kind of death metal-y, you know, moments uh, in here, but the production um, is just, you know, ice cold as far as I'm concerned. But uh, they tried to make it more and more uh, necro, if you will, uh, after this release. But uh, I really like the production on this one because it's, it's raw, but it's not uh, unlistenable by any means. But... Um, it's a great record and it's a classic for a reason. It's uh, the songs are very strong and they just kind of uh, definitely captured what it meant to be true Norwegian black metal. So uh, this one is the last cut off of the record and it's my favorite off of it. Well, I take that back. My second favorite. I think "In the Shadow of the Horns" is probably still my favorite and probably the most uh, has some of the most memorable parts in it. But um, but yeah, this one's close second. So here we go. <laughs> From Norway, this is Dark Throne with The Pagan Winter.
right. That was fantastic. That was Dark Throne with The Pagan Winter. Such a good song. Um, I could have faded down that outro too, but I just didn't want to. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep it in Norway here. This is a band that I've already referenced uh, earlier in the podcast when I played the Vintersorg song. This is Borknagar, and uh, Borknagar, of course, was formed in 95 and released their debut in 96, and it was something of a super group, I guess, with uh, Garm from Ulver and uh, you know Ivar Bjornsson from Enslaved doing keyboards and um, had Eric from uh, formerly of uh, Immortal doing drums and then he of course did some session work for uh, for Gorgoroth as well so something of a little bit of a like a super group I guess um, but yeah debut was great it was really raw but uh, still it was. I mean, it, it sounded like their debut. They pretty much took that that sound and built off of it steadily since then. And uh, but the the key elements were there, like from the beginning. That sounds like Borknagar, but um, they really hit their stride with that second album uh, called The Olden Domain. Came out in August of '97 on Century Media Records, and uh, really some excellent excellent songs uh, on this album, like Dawn of the End and The Eye of Odin. Um, but I have to keep with the theme here. I got to do the winter theme. So I was torn between playing this song that I'm about to play and then something off of uh, their last album, uh, not this newest one, but the one prior, uh, the title track, Winter Thrice, because um, that has four vocalists on it, <laughs> you know, that has Lars, the keyboard player, that has Simon for a line or two in the song, um, and then Vintersorg doing all of the extreme vocals on the track, and then Garm, their old vocalist, coming back for a cameo appearance on a couple of songs on that album, but uh, including that title track, he does kind of the lead vocal on on that title track, and it's a great song, but uh, I didn't want to just focus on, on newer material. Um, I wanted to do a deep dive here into the classic album, so I opted for this one, so... Great song, nonetheless. It's not like I had to settle for this one. It's a great tune. But, um, but yeah, just a great song by an excellent band that continues to display their excellence with every new album that they release. So, here we go off of 1997's The Olden Domain. This is Borknagar with The Winter Way.
Alright, that was Borknagar with The Winter Way. Um, while Garm is a, is a fine vocalist, he's definitely my least favorite that they have, have had. There's just something about the way he enunciates certain things that I just uh, don't enjoy. But um, speaking of vocalists I don't enjoy, I'm going to close this out <laughs> with some mayhem. Um, but first, of course, I have to thank everyone for listening, and thanks for telling friends and everybody else about this podcast. And if you want to tell somebody where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com, or they can listen on the free Podbean app, which I highly recommend. Uh, and of course, the whole catalog of episodes, both new and old, are all on Spotify, so you can find it there and uh, follow it. And uh, if you have any requests or feedback or anything like that, uh, you can reach me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And then, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates or news um, regarding the podcast will be posted there. So, let's go ahead and bring this themed episode to a close. So, uh, I'm going to play something, as I said, by Mayhem from Norway. Um... I am a fan of Mayhem, but uh, they, I mean, they're not flawless by any means. Uh, they're, they're kind of these gods of, of Norwegian black metal, but they really, it's, they're kind of like the Eagles. And allow me to explain here, because the Eagles have a lot of big hits, great songs. The ones that were hits were great. But then there's also, if you look at their whole catalog, there's a lot of crap in there as well. <laughs> and the same can be said for Mayhem, because the amount of demos and bootleg live albums and things like that that they have um, are mostly terrible and there's some great stuff in their catalog though so obviously we know that they've been around since you know the mid 80s and just released some demos and then they did Death Crush in 87 and went through everything with their vocalist dead and then he offed himself and uh, just that whole turbulence through the early 90s there so it's weird that they were around for that long and they didn't release their debut album till 94, which was De Mysteries Dom Satanis. And uh, of course, by then, uh, they had uh, recruited Attila from the uh, band Tormentor to do the session vocals. And uh, I really don't care what anyone says. I hate his vocals on this album. I really do. And uh, he has sounded better since he rejoined the band uh, back in whenever that was, 2004, 2005, I guess it was around 2005. Um, the output that they've had since then with him on vocals has been better because he kind of reels it in uh, a little more and isn't as just off the wall. Um, although his performance on Ordo Ad Cow was, was pretty out there as well. But uh, like his performance on the new album, I think is is the most tolerable I've ever heard his voice but, um, yeah, there's quite a bit of choices that he made on his vocal tracks on De Mysteries Dom Satanis that I really don't like. And, um, but that being said, the material, the music is so good and the atmosphere is so strong in it that uh, it, it almost makes up for it. So uh, this is definitely their most popular, most famous song, and uh, it is a great one, um, even though the guitar solo is pretty bad. But, um but yeah, it just seemed fitting to close out the winter episode um, with this track. And then we can officially jump into spring here. So I'll be back again in uh, maybe a little more than two weeks. I'm going to be moving very soon. 
So uh, I might not be right on it at two weeks out, you know, with a new episode, but I'll be getting it out as uh, as fast as I possibly can for you guys. So thanks again for listening. And here we go. Um, from Norway, this is Mayhem with Freezing Moon. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>